podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Three. Podcast 263. Sponsored as ever by two sponsors. We've got a, a fairly inferior sponsor in Vector. They do print and embroidery stuff, and that's Vector with us. Okay. But then more importantly, <laughs> and sycophantically, we're also sponsored by uh, JC Innovation and Strategy. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh my goodness, it's actually JCIS. John, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. First of the season. Indeed. Yeah, I, think, I think we should give a little bit more love to Vector. Just, yeah, you know, just really, just early in the season. Don't want to be alienating our other... Well, personally, I don't have any print embroidery needs right now, but when I do, yeah, I can't come us, back to them like... They uh, give like, us £20 a season as well as John does. So, I mean, I think they deserve... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's a £20. <laughs> We're also sponsored uh, by... No, I'm going to take that out. We're not sponsored by anyone else. Uh, joined by Kevin Day. As Hello, today, And also joined by uh, Rob Sutherland. Hello. Um, we've got... Where's, where's JD? J- well, JD isn't here because he was doing the pod extra last night from Swansea. So he travelled all the way to South Wales. Did he not go? Southern Wales. He said Southern Wales on the pod extra. Southern Wales. Rather than South Wales. He and as anyone who knows Wales very well will tell you, people from South Wales do, no, do not take well no, to a thing called Wales. Southern Wales. No, you might as well call Swansea Cardiff and just really upset them. It's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Whoa. This so, and other great <laughs> chat are available on the Pod Extra, which so, you can now subscribe to on Patreon. Yeah. And it's a mere £2.35 a month to uh, be able to access so such he went a witty repartee. It would have cost him a lot of money to get to Swansea, and he's going to make about £7.50 out of the podcast he well, did. That's been a bit generous, I think. <laughs> <laughs> What's £2.35 times? Two. Oh yeah, it's not seven pound fifty even three. Yeah, really. If you fancy uh, subscribing to the pod extra though, where you can hear the uh, insight of Adam Sells amongst others, uh, you can do so if you visit patreon.com forward slash fyp podcast, and uh, we'd be doing that all season. Um, quite a big endeavour to do that at every match. So thanks very much to JD for doing so. We've also got another bit of admin. But it's not really a bit of admin because it's a very important announcement. The Marathon March, Kevin. Yes. We're doing it again, aren't we? We are doing it again, yes. We are officially doing it again. Uh, we mentioned it last week, but we are officially all doing it again. And we're encouraging as many other people to join up as possible. The take-up's already uh, higher than last year, but we're trying to get it up even further. So we are, we've started our training and we've already raised some money thanks to the generosity of our lovely listeners. So 
Speaking of which, if they want to donate to us, they can visit uh, www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP podcast. And in typical JD fashion, there's a completely incomprehensible structure of donations you can make yeah, that on, might not, be able to bring you prizes. Let's not go through that again. He did it last week. And we're, we're, oh, did he? we've got somebody on next week from the foundation to talk about it in, okay. in more clarity. So let's leave it till then. Because <laughs> we've, got, we've got lots of Watford anger to get off our chests. <laughs> Well, that seems as good a way to move on to Watford as any. Um, pretty disappointing result, at least in the end, Kevin, but it started so well. If, just, is there a football cliche of some sort you'd like to apply at this particular juncture? Well, it was a game of uh, one half and one and one, a game of one and one and a half. One and a half halves? I think that works, yeah. yeah I've so. never, as sitting, we, we, it took an hour to get out of the car park at Watford on Sunday, and for that hour, I don't think I've ever hated a town a football club, a football team, or its fans more than I hated Watford. And I include, just for that hour, I just hated everything. And I haven't really calmed down very much since. It's, um, it's that, the first 15 minutes of the second half were kind of old-timey Roy Hodgson. I'm sure we'll get on to the, the referee and the, the, the treatment dished out to Zahar and not only him, other players as well. And the time-wasting, etc. Uh, and the trying to get players sent off. We'll get on to all that, but that first 15 minutes it, it was just like just Roy and Ray Lewington were just really slow to react to a very basic change that Watford made in that first 15 minutes they back forward just sat a little bit deeper so we couldn't get behind them as easily and they just lumped it forward and tried to isolate uh, Wardy and Andros on that side and it were the first goal was just literally went diagonally sideways past three defenders Luke had a poor game and that was I thought illustrated in the defending for the first goal the second goal we, we had an Andros Townsend loving last week quite rightly so but there's one thing we can't do and we wouldn't mention in front of his dad last week you can't leave him one on one because he's just so easily fooled by that fake step in there as he was as he was beaten for the second goal and it's like I'd, without wishing to pile pressure onto a very young players but I don't think we'd have lost that game if wan was playing because the cover down that, that right hand side was just non-existent for for both goals and, uh, and he, Ward is a good defender but and also I think to, to be fair nobody really pointed this out we we were left 10 minutes before kickoff suddenly without two of our back four yep. rather than one of them and none of, none of the reports sort of mention that because Kelly did a, a fine job but it must be really really disruptive you, you train all week with a certain system and suddenly you know, not only have you not got the full back you knew that but suddenly the the centre back who's been having a really good game a really good season is out at 10 minutes notice so but apart from that I thought I thought in the first half we were really really good I thought the second part of the second half especially when Wilf went out to, to the left and Mayer came on to support him because it's, again it's another issue we'll talk about but it, for me it just doesn't work Wilf as a second striker Wilf playing with his back to goal is just a waste of his talents and then when, when we went 4-3-3 three, three later on in that second half we just looked like we could Pick him off at will. So well, do, you, do you so? Do you think that Roy got it wrong? Then? Is I that, think. Is that I what think. You're trying to say? I, d- I do, and I'm reluctant to do so because he hasn't done so for basically for all this year. But that was kind of old timey stubborn Roy. He want he just kept the, to the four four two. He was slow to react. I thought. I, I thought uh, Kiati should probably be on in the first half because it was quite clear that Schlupp can't play central midfield no matter how wide he gets and it was quite clear that Luca was having a, a tough time and there were moments in the first half when we were getting outrun and battered in, the, in there I mean it, it cried out for a, a stronger presence in there 
especially as I say as Luca was having an off day so I just I do think it was a bit of old time Roy Hodgson's stubbornness he did react in the end and it, it looked like it would get us a, a point but there was, there was a general sloppiness about the way we played as well and especially in the second half where we just seemed intent on losing possession at times when mm. when it really needed to be just a little bit more of a there needed to be a bit more of a clear head I think um, one of the problems that we kind of have for well that Luca has is that he doesn't have Yohan Kabai playing alongside yeah, him so, and, yeah. and one of the things that I think we really miss about Yohan Kabai is that he is a bit cynical he was you know he, he, he was cynical yeah. and at times he would take players down when they needed to be taken down um he made he did a lot of defensive work that he never really got credit for. Well, that first um, the first goal is a classic example. Should have happened because Kabai would have would have taken a yellow card and yeah, stopped you him. You just have to do it at yeah. that point. You know there has to be a point where if the opposition are threatening to counter attack and they were at that stage yeah. and we I think it, it came from us losing possession sloppily. Yeah, um, it should have, there should have been a foul. I think it, it, that that's the thing that, that that screened out to me. And I thought at half time, to me, Roy should have made a substitution it's something that we've that that we've always had a little bit of reservation about with Roy in that he doesn't he's not he's not reactive enough at times yeah. sometimes that works out okay because the way that he works is that he I mean he drills his first 11 so much to do the things that he wants them to do and so then I'm, I'm assuming that he they came in at half time and he basically had a gave him a right you know a, a, a right rollicking you can say bollocking it's fine a right oh. bollocking oh okay <laughs> um, but I, I assume that's what happened that he would have taken them in at half time given them a bollocking and when after 10 minutes of them not doing what they were supposed to be doing he should have made a substitution and he didn't well, well obviously th- sorry obviously the first goal came from Kapu running through the midfield as if he were sort yeah. of a knife cutting through butter we can't really move on without talking about that challenge John when you see a challenge like that and it happens so early in the game. Is it always going to be the case now that a ref's never going to make a decision that's that decisive that early on, do we think? I think that, that, that it's always been a trend. I mean, the four, was it four minutes into the game? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it was a horrendous challenge. We saw how what other pundits said, like you know, the wonderful Graham Sooners, who was absolutely furious about it and talked about how it's an you know create a massive injury. Um, so I think yes, I think that's one really good kind of pointed someone's really going to be sent off so early on in the game um it was a horrendous it was a deliberate challenge it wasn't just a yeah. bad challenge right it was let, let's go for it um which that's probably been planned um it's let's ready it go and attack Zaha and get him early I think what was as criminal was I didn't really see a reaction from Palace players um, I didn't see them running in the face like a Roy. Who do we think should be doing I think it now? should have been Lucas, should have been PVA. You know, it could have been Sacco. It could, you know, forget Benteke. I don't think he was probably watching it. But I mean, you know, but I, I, I feel that, you know, it's, it, you know, we're South London, right? And the South London playground in secondary school, you may get to t- you all in, right? And that's what should have happened. Well, you can, only, have... you can only assume that they didn't see it because that was a strange thing. Everybody around us, when the tackle went in, you instinctively thought that looks that doesn't look 
brilliant but it was on the halfway line and, and for the rest very close but then the first hint is that everybody's mobile phone starts going off everybody's getting tweets and messages going that's a straight red straight red but it wasn't until we saw it afterwards that you go that was horrible it's disgraceful but, but the time thing's really interesting because Danny Murphy said that on Max the League too he said you, you can only assume that it's four minutes to go on that it takes a brave referee and, and Rude Hullet went why is, why is it brave to send somebody off there than the 11th or 12th minute but the time thing makes no sense because if, if you talk about time he wouldn't have given Zahari a low card after five minutes yeah. because that was that compounded the what for me compounded the whole thing was a that that yellow card was just laughable and that was the Watford player went down maybe in a way that Wilf should have done so theatrically but Wilf just went down he didn't go down like he'd been shot he went down because he was really hurt in actual pain but that yellow card was laughable but the rest, it wasn't just that it was the rest of the game when they're all over Zahar they're doing that thing where they rotate and, and there's, there are times when you can see Anthony Taylor shrugging his shoulders at Zahar and going what are you doing get up and it's like it's just a, the lack of protection and it's it's I don't know why referees would be intimidated but that shithole I generally don't but they seem to seems to be something about that Watford where they just don't believe that, that Will's being found you can't look at Watford and go they're not that sort of team they're, they're that sort of team right from the from the first whistle and I thought Sooness is I'm really pleased that Sooness said what he said because it focused it and, and people kind of go well if he he knows what he's talking about because he's done it and it, that could have ended Will's career that could have ended Will's season and the the, the the lack of protection he gets around it's because I thought I thought Hod- and I, I re- I'm still really angry about this because I thought Hodgson was really clever with that whole Hornet business because he was drawing attention in a, in another way to the fact that Wolf's not a diver. That's how he raised the subject with the with the Hornet, right? Which is still the funniest thing Roy Hodgson's ever said. I think I Hodgson. couldn't believe it when I saw Roy Hodgson's trending. I was like, oh, I know. Like, well, my immediate suspicion was, oh, he's gone, <laughs> he's hasn't gone. he? I mean, it's August, it's Crystal said, Palace. But when, he said, I, when he said, I presume he's the mascot, but that was Roy's attempt. Roy didn't just want to say Wolf doesn't dive. That was his way of drawing attention to it. And it seems to me that's the worst thing you can do to referees because you draw attention to it and they go, well, yeah, he, he does. Because it was shameful. Anthony Taylor's performance was shameful. For 90 minutes and it's Will's going to get hurt he's going to get the, the but, but, but like, Johnny's actually because yeah. if, if Mele was there Mele would have got booked or Damo, Damo, or Damo Mille, yeah. Murray was there yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a lot last season as well so many times he's saying that the Palace the Palace players aren't coming there, there should be a policy they should yeah. be told if Zaha goes down you know yeah. PVA you go you go you go and you take it in turns I wouldn't mind to see Palace being the team known that goes out and gets players. Yeah. The, not like that. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Sorry, not like that. But you know, yeah, I, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. mind Palace to be the team where opposition t- fans sit in the sit in the kind of car park for an hour. You know, hey, well, you know, there's not much to like about. But you know, yeah, yeah. but you know, so I, I'm just feeling that Zaha, we're the only team outside the top six with a so-called you know a kind of high-paid, world-class mm-hmm. kind of player. Yeah. Every team out of the top six are going to try and take him out yeah. this season. And do we then become the victim? And every podcast think, right, well, let's talk about the ref again. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. this. Yeah. We're going to have to think about this. We've yeah. decided to go that, down this, this route of having such a stellar player. Yeah. He's going to get taken out. I think the only yeah. risk with when you react to every tackle that Wilf gets, gets inflicted upon him is, in Wilf's case, he's, he has that tendency to be a bit of a, hot, a hothead. And so if he sees people, you know, that the, the impression I get with him is that you're, you, he's one of those players that performs his best when he's, when he's at his calmest. You know, you, you see him when he gets wound up, he turns into this kind of, petu- there's an element of petulance there. So if you then have, and I completely understand the logic to, to kind of, in that situation, the referee should have been surrounded as, as would be the norm with any other club. But the the other side, the flip side of that is that then you see Wilf, like Wilf sees that and it turns into more of a, 
you know, it, rather than him fo- focusing him on doing his job, which he's so good at, but he, it turns but he, into like. But we lost him for ten minutes. He was, you could see course, how angry yeah, he was. Of and it's, he was, and it's, it was. With hindsight, it's interesting. With, with John's point, it is interesting. You think, well, Wolf obviously knew it was a bad tackle. So you, you you do think the other players must have seen it? Or the the, the, the really awful thing is that Wilf is now in, in caught in this conundrum where he either reacts and gets accused of feigning injury yeah. and and uh, theatrics, or he doesn't react and he gets and he gets accused of not of not being that badly hurt. Yeah, like that's what happened against but, Watford because if he'd have it, like he went down screaming. And you could see in, in, in his reaction that he was very, it was a, a very painful tackle. But on Let's not like, call it, can we stop calling it a tackle as well? No, it was, it was, it was, it was no, no, there was no attempt to play the assault. ball. It was an assault. It was an assault. Yeah, and, it, and this business about this, what, it's so many, yeah, people have asked me if I regret calling Watford animals in the Twitter. No, I don't. And I don't care what, what the Watford fans say. They were talking, well, you're physical, you're just, you're feigning injury. Yanmat should have been set. Yanmat pretended that Zaha had elbowed him in the face. Down in that corner, which is shameful. No, none of the media picked up on that. Young Matt had a look round, see who was looking. Wilf was a yard away from him, went down holding his face. It was shameful. They, and that's what annoyed me about Watford. Their players were cowards because they dished out physical punishment one afternoon, but as soon as the tackle came in, and then they were on the ground trying to claim, get the referee's attention. That's why it was such a poor. Does that suggest we're too nice now, though? Yeah, it does a little bit. We're way think. too nice. Yeah. We're it way does. too nice. And this is a problem that I'm finding hard with, with the, the palace identity. You know, what we're going to find, I think, throughout the season, is we're going to be talking about one person that's Wilfred Zaha we're not going to be talking about a Crystal Palace team and uh, does that mean you think we're too focused on Wilf to the exclusion of everything else how much the whole team is built around him you can't not be and you can't ignore that status the first question I did talk sport just before the game and the first question is what happens if Zaha's not playing you can't win without Zaha because the the stats indicate that we can't win without Zaha that's why we focus on him so much but the thing my mind goes back and Watford fans go well you you know Palace are dirty Palace are this my mind goes back to the, the game on New Year's Eve when you know, Punchin's tackle on De Bruyne was awful, but we acknowledged that. We said, I mean, John, you were, yeah, you again, you did it. You don't mind at South London. That's what happens. Mm. But at least we all acknowledged that that was a, it was a poor tackle, a bad tackle on a skillful player. We didn't, we didn't say, oh, no, he didn't mean it. He's not that sort of player. He, he tried, he slipped, it was wet. We acknowledged it. And what was interesting again, watching that the Man City uh, documentary was when uh, Guardiola took that in his stride when he's talking to his players after the game when he talks about forget the injuries these things happen in a physical game and he talks about how good Palace were and how his players were complacent so he wasn't that fussed about that sort of time and what but you have to acknowledge that it happened you have to oh totally yeah I mean I think we're going to see this a lot this season that's that's what I'm saying we're going to see it on one player and we're going to have to we're going to have to have a system reacting to it Wilf obviously wasn't the only forward on the pitch that day um, I'm sure that John has some extreme views but first of all I'm going to ask Rob to advocate on behalf of Christian Benteke and why he should stay in the team and why he's taking some unfair flack before I come to a slightly more cynical voice in John Curran I, I kind of think that when you when you give Benteke the service that he thrives on um, he's a be- much better threat than than he gets credit for and he get, I mean, in that game, I think there was maybe one decent cross that he ended up heading and, and Ben Foster made a decent save of it. Um, he's, he, there's definitely a, a case to be made that, that there is a fear that he's not going to score goals. You know, I, and I get that. And I, but I think that, again, it, it comes down to that one opportunity. If he can take that one opportunity, then more will follow. But at the moment, 
I just don't think he's getting the service. I don't think he's... There, there are times when, when you want him to do a bit more. Uh, but I also kind of wonder with him whether, whether it's actually a tactic where it purely is a case that he is the linking piece for Townsend and Zaha to latch onto. And the problem that we have is every time that the ball gets launched up to Benteke, you see him winning the header, but the players that are supposed to be responding to that aren't doing that. Mm. So you end up in this kind of shit situation where a player who should be who you should be feeding off of isn't being worked in that kind of a system. It's difficult. I th- to be honest, it wouldn't, wouldn't have surprised me if he'd have gone in the summer. I think that, that ideally Palace would have liked to have sold him maybe and signed someone, uh, you know, signed another striker who would, have, who would have been a bigger threat. But to me, he's still a bigger threat than, than Sorlot is. And I, and, and I feel like that's the reason why he's still playing. John, it's okay. Talk to me. Right, I, I kind of tend to agree. I, on Sunday, I read a blog written by a Liverpool fan about Benteke's time at Liverpool, and they made the really important point that at Villa, he was scoring goals often by deep crosses. And his first season at Palace, he was getting goals like that under Pardew, deep crosses in, and he was there at the back post and, and and scoring. What they said the reason why he couldn't play the Liverpool or play for Liverpool was because at the time Liverpool who were playing on the counter-attack and he wasn't agile and quick enough and good with his feet. Right. So you could, and it's exactly how we're playing at the moment um, is on, on the counter. Okay, so th- so that's one issue. The other issue that I'm seeing that's coming up is around he's had his Achilles injury and that slowed him down, okay? Um, I will just simply say in over a season, he has scored three goals. Mm. In over a season, he has scored three goals. And that is not good enough if he's on 5,000 or 150,000 pounds a week. Three goals for a striker is not good enough. And that is the bottom line. It's not even worth saying who's better, Soloth or Benteke. The thing what Soloth's got in his favour is he's young and he's a you know, rough diamond. and you know, So he's got a little bit of that. They remind me of the two men in a donkey on a, in a pantomime <laughs> but you don't know who's the bottom you don't know who's there and it doesn't really matter because at the moment they both kind of have an element of donkey to them but Benteke the, the other thing about Benteke because he is on such a big contract we almost can't afford not to play him because of where we are with it and, and, and that's something else that I think kind of comes into it the fact is he is not good enough because he has only scored three goals I think it's it's very hard to argue with that logic, but it's also a hundred percent certain he will start on Saturday. I agree because the, the 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 fact that he wasn't there last night is a good indication that he'll start on Saturday, and so will Wolf. I th- I, I genuinely felt I thought in the first half at Watford, I thought that was the best he's played for a long time. And I thought even in the second half he got on, he had that turn and shot, which is something yeah. he's not done for quite some time. But it does come down, I think. As Rob says, to the system, to a degree, I think you're right, he's not suited for counter-attacking football because whatever pace he had isn't there at the moment, whether that's the Achilles, whether it's fitness, whether it's confidence. But I just felt for him because it's like when you've got Wilf playing next to him almost, that takes out a source of crosses for him. Andros was mainly defending. Ward is not getting up. You know, I think Roy's theory is that the crosses will come from wan and from and from uh, PVA. And you say Wolf and Townsend can sort of 
you know, squeeze in a little bit and do the damage there. But I don't, I don't know what Benteke is supposed to do. Is he's not the sort of player? He's not the sort of player. He's not a Glenn Murray. And I have to say, I was wrong about Glenn Murray. He's become a competent Premier League striker, but he's not the sort of player that Brighton used Glenn Murray so well at Liverpool, where Glenn Murray will, you can get it to him. He will hold the ball for five, ten, fifteen seconds. What, what, he can't do no, that. No, no. But, so he's not. That's uh, the thing is, he's not. That's not good enough. No, I, mean, I know. I agree. But that's what I'm, I, I, I'm not disagreeing because what I'm saying is that last year, if you were a Benteke defender and we tried to be, you could say, right, he's not scoring goals, but the team are scoring goals, and that was mm. that was Hodgson's logic. That was Hodgson's logic. Yeah, clearly, he he's in. not he's yeah. not scoring goals, but the team yeah. are scoring goals, and he is winning headers. He is doing stuff, but. All he, all he does is fall is score goals he hasn't got anything else in his locker he hasn't got that Glenn Murray spirit he hasn't got that ability to hold the ball up for 10-15 seconds while the rest of the players get in touch with him he doesn't muscle centre forwards he doesn't he's not constantly working them he did for a little bit 20 minute spell against Liverpool he was working the, the, the two centre backs but he doesn't do that consistently enough in games so it is difficult to argue that he should be dropped but on the other hand maybe it's not whether you have a one big centre forward or another big centre forward, maybe it's a system. Maybe it's maybe let's try it a four three three with Ayu, who's much more mobile. With him well, as a central Adam, striker, Adam also, sells yeah. on the pod extra. Which Available is, on Petrona. It's, it's, it's worth, it's worth uh, yeah. FYP podcast. Yeah, only two pounds sixty five a month. It should be double that. I think the thing about <laughs> is that what he said was that was, was that a, he, he said we we're playing the, we're not playing the wrong system for Benteke. We are playing the wrong system. For, yeah, for I Pallet. think the thing with Benteke to some extent is if he wasn't. At the very least, he's forcing saves. Like I know it sounds like a really, yeah, yeah. but like the, the Ben Foster save was was a very good save, yeah. and um, he did the same again. I mean, he created an opportunity against Fulham with 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 a header down for Wilf, I think it was. Yeah, he made the second goal with a crossfield pass. I think as well. he was involved in yeah. that as well. So like, it's not. I'd be more concerned if you came out of a game and just said completely like he had no. That, yeah. like, he didn't even force a save, which. At some stages in last season, that was definitely the case. So you're saying there's signs that there to is. To me, there, there are there's signs a, that there is something mm. there. But but I the think, Watford, but head, Watford had a came of off his shoulder. Yeah, you know, one of them, and you know, so I mean, I I, I do agree. With you. What he's doing now, apart from scoring, is what any striker in up down to League Two should be able to do. Yeah. yeah. Period. I think right. He, so, he must also, I mean, but he, he, there must be a certain amount of frustration because you you look at. You've got Schlupp, you've got PVA, you've got uh, Townsend, you've got Zahar, all people, all players that can cross the ball really well, and none of them are getting into situations. That Watford game, they're not getting into situations where they can where they can cross the ball. <laughs> Mayer can do it, but again, the wrong system thing. Why? I love I love Schlupp. I mean, Schlupp's a brilliant player. He's a brilliant emergency left back. He's a brilliant left wing back. But why Roy thinks you can start him? on the left side of a central midfield against Watford is beyond me when you've got Chiatti sitting on the bed I, did, I just didn't see the logic it was because Schlupp was swamped the whole game he, it's, just, it's a specialist position he, it's, it's alright doing it against in friendlies or doing it against Fulham or against Liverpool where they give you a bit of time and space in that central area then, and it, Watford is swarming all over you he's clearly not ready to play there. that was clear after 15-20 minutes even when we're playing well that he's uh, not so it must be frustrating for Benteke because he's like where is his service and I, of course you can say when he does get the service he, and I thought again it's an indication of that no one really gave him credit for being in the position to make Foster make the save it was like oh he's again but it's it's I, I don't know how long the Palace fans are not infinitely patient and it's a stun and it's it's a time when you know we need to get something out of the Southampton game because otherwise all the the optimism of the Fulham thing will dissipate a little bit and all the focus again will be on Benteke and, but again it comes down to you know, Hodgson's substitution it's a straight swap 
he takes Benteke off and it's a straight swap. It's not like, well, let's try another option. Let's let's bring Ayu on. Let's move people about. Let's let's move Mayer back into the middle. Of, or, you know, it's so speaking of Max Meyer, I mean, obviously we, we've dwelt, as you might expect, of a pod uh, hosted by me on a lot of negatives. But yeah, Mayer looks pretty look, good last night. I know I'm, we've, I'm we've amazed got... we're, we're half an hour in and you haven't mentioned the goalkeeper yet. Oh, that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? But <laughs> Max Mayer obviously played towards the end of that match, Rob. Uh, helped to set up the Wolf goal. Played again last night. I, I'm loath to say, is he the answer? Because it seems like a bit of a, a cliched uh, question. But surely we've got to make room for him in the team now. But how and where? I think it's. I think there's some mitigation for Hodgson in terms of them not being... Kiyate and Mayer not being picked because... He hasn't. He hasn't had a pre-season with them. They haven't been drilled. He hasn't had an opportunity to drill his players. These players, and and in Maya's case, he hadn't even had a pre-season at Schalke, for example. So he's now at a stage where he's gradually been introduced, and I think he played a full game yesterday against Swansea. He did, he did, he did yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you would expect him to now be match ready, like that. To me, that would be the argument. He's come in for the last half an hour against Watford, played a full match. You would expect him to be match ready. He was. He is. Uh, a creative player but he's also very good in possession he's the exactly the kind of player that you would want to put in the side and in, to me um, Schlupp is the player that you would take out of the out of the equation from that partly because as, as much as I think Schlupp does the, the physical side of things quite well he's got the pace um, his his ability in possession and his ability to find the right kind of pass just doesn't it doesn't compare very well to Meyer that well. then begs the question and come, comes on to one of the things that JD helpfully put in the notes if you're going to play Meyer does that then call for a formation change John because surely that, I mean he came on and he had to play a little bit out wide and then there was a bit of a shift towards 4-3-3 but Roy's always been archetypally a 4-4 a four, four something mm-hmm. kind of guy uh, are we going to see a, a, an old dog learn new tricks? I, I think it would be lovely to see Meyer playing as a number 10 behind playing off Benteke and then maybe Wilf going a little bit further wide or or Wilf being given a little bit more of a free role. If if is played out on the on the on the wing or or further to, or further out wide, I think that'll be we'll be missing his potential creativity. Um so I think that there probably needs to be a formation change. I I'm I'd like to see Wilf play centre forward, but I'm not sure if it's right with Benteke. I think, as far as Maya's concerned, there's a risk with Palace fans that we end up in another Johan Kabai situation where people see the video clips of Maya and see him being this creative force. But in his final season for Schalke, the final fi- uh, one and a half seasons at Schalke, he played as a, as a defensive mid, and that was considered to be his best position, mm. which in that respect, means that he would be an ideal replacement for Johan Kabai, and that Kabai basically played as that kind of midfield engine room buzzing around uh, Luca kind of player. And if, if, you get, if you play Meyer in that position, I think he's ideal because he, he has that ability to find players and the movement mm. and the pace and the youth and the exuberance to kind of string people, you know, to string things together. I wouldn't expect him to be the goal-scoring midfielder that we all thought Kabai was because Kabai wasn't, wasn't going to be that. Also, he looked. <coughs> I did miss a bit while I answered the door there. It was um, probably the best bit of the pod, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 So both, both cutting and insightful. Seemed to flow quite yeah. well. 
John completely resiled from his position on Benteke. <laughs> exactly. He's now the Messiah, apparently. But Maya, I couldn't believe uh, it either. Mayer looked like he's... Did he get a yellow card quite quickly after he came on on Sunday, I think, didn't he? But he looked quite... I think that should be left to someone far more observant than me. Yeah, yeah but he, he, he looked quite spiky, though, as well. Again, oh, yeah, he, he, put might, foot, he puts a foot in. Yeah, like but he, he, again, he looks he, naughty. Well, yeah, but <laughs> he, which is why I knew that you would like him, because yeah. then again, he might be the one who's on the pitch when that sort of thing happens to Wilf that he remembers because he, he did get quite a few yellow cards in German football as well but it'd be interesting I you know and I don't want it to sound like we're criticising Roy because he's he's almost beyond criticism but you have to point things out I'd, it, I'd be amazed if it wasn't the, the same starting 11 on Saturday so I think he'll think that Southampton are a completely different kettle of fish well, he's too. a creature but, of habit as well he though, is I think he'll think that it would seem pretty strange for a guy who's yeah. usually pretty allied not only to keeping a winning team but keeping a team even yeah. in instances mm. of losing yeah it. he knows more about football than we do basically yeah. but I think I think he'll think that Southampton I think that's will, probably a fair comment yeah <laughs> well I, I think, yeah, he couldn't close a comedy store on a Saturday night though could he but, but there, there but, is a ruthless <laughs> edge I mean he, he took out when, when um, Sprott I think when Julian Sproney was playing in goal and there was he made a, made a slight error for one of the goals Newcastle. against Newcastle yeah. the next game Hennessy came straight back in I think there is a, an, why an would element you remind of, me of that I know I'm sorry but there is an element of ruthlessness to him where I think that if he sees that Meyer is is easily a better player in that in that role which I think he will have done after a game and a half now of well a game and a third of seeing him play in a competitive kind of environment I think that that I, I, to me, I, it would make sense for Schlupp to, to be dropped out of the team. I, I came in. I would. I would disagree with John. I just came in as I heard John say that he'd like to see Zahar at centre forward or it, one of the central two. I'd, I just think if he's got his back to their goal, he's just not the same player. He's not. He, he's a very simple thing. He's he's very very effective at running at defenders, mm. and every single pundit on every single football program says that's the one thing defenders hate is people running at them with pace. He's one of the few people in the Premier League who can genuinely do that, mm. and I think that's where he should be because he's not. The thing is, if you get too canny, he's he's not drawing fouls. Is the other thing he's not. Yeah, you know, when he's got his back to goal, he's not drawing the sort of fouls that I, I think Hodgson expects him to get. But when he's running at pace, he's getting free kicks. All of the, and it's and it, what we saw with his goal, he cuts it. I mean, that unfortunately it wasn't the winning goal, or the equalising goal, because it kind of got overlooked. But it's a brilliant finish. Mm. It's a brilliant bit of skill to work the position with Mayer, and it was a great finish. And it's like if he was playing central, he wouldn't have been able to do that. So I think it's just. A, I think. I think. With with Wilf, he's almost got a bit of a free license to do what he wants. The, the only difference against Watford was that they just they just were right on him yeah. every single time the ball came near him. Even in uh, even when he was playing on the wing, there were occasions where he would get the ball and within seconds he'd have two defenders one play one playing to the side of him, one playing with you know right up against the back of him, and he just he, there there was little kind of moving room. But the difference was for that goal was that that give and go. Yeah. Like mm. having the players around him doing what they need to do to get him in, into free space. And that didn't happen for the first half. And it only started to happen in the second. And then obviously the goal was scored. But what was happening in the first half, though, was that when, when Wilf was getting double teamed, that was giving space for PVA to get forward and other players to get which was which that didn't happen in the second half. Yeah. I mean, partly because he drifted into the middle. So he was double teamed. So it didn't matter if he was double teamed because it wasn't, taking, it wasn't making space anywhere else for anyone to run into. So. Well, we're going to make some space now. Nice. Thank you've been you, waiting. You've been waiting for a while, haven't you? Well, no, because the, the the conversation was evolving, so I was having to form this monologue in my head with uh, every time it shifted, coming up with a new segue. You've missed about seventeen <laughs> pieces of genius there. <laughs> but well, there'll be plenty more pieces of genius, not for me. I hasten to add in uh, in part two. So join us after this short break. 
Five-year plan podcast. Three. Pod 263. Three. Sponsored as ever by Vector for all your printing and embroidery needs. That's uh, Vector with a K. Okay. And JC, innovation and strategy. Just the man. Visit <laughs> com. I will. Yes, very good indeed. And uh, just want to, again, draw people's attention to the fact that there's still a pod extra available in relation to the Swansea game, which was last night that uh, Palace won 1-0. To continue yeah. their march towards Wembley in a European tour, You're drawing a lot of attention to it. Is it not selling well? Selling very well, thanks. Oh, yeah. yeah, might even cover my hourly rate for six minutes. Uh, you well, can... As a lawyer or a podcaster, either. Oh, okay, it's, it's the same rate. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to check that out, and, and uh, you know, it's up to you whether or not you do. But go to patreon.com forward slash fyp podcast. Um, it's been an eventful week for the Sussex Police. It's been an eventful week for, for Rob Sutherland, who's been harassing the Sussex police. <laughs> Rob, do you want to give us an update on what's happened? Uh, yeah, so basically, um, long story short is that Sussex police uh, failed to respond to the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, and as part of that, uh, the well, essentially, we, we complained to the Information Commissioner's Office uh, because they, uh, because Sussex Police basically refused to reply to any of our le- emails. Um, Do you want to remind new listeners what it was about in the yeah, first place? Okay, so back in November when Crystal Palace played in Brighton against uh, against Brighton at the Amex, um, after the match, uh, Sussex Police released a statement and made an, uh, that their chief inspector, Nels- Simon Nelson, made uh, a number of comments on radio. Uh, basically implying that Crystal Palace fans carried knives and knuckle dusters into the stadium. Uh, well, he didn't imply. He said that. I mean, he, been, no. That I mean, was, that he, yeah. he he said it outright. Yeah. That it was the it was back to the dark ages of football, yeah. and that Palace fans were carrying knives and knuckle dusters. And that was the end of the matter, wasn't it, Rob? That was <laughs> for them. That was the end of the matter. <laughs> but it's funny because we then we then basically uh, after a couple of weeks uh, we questioned Simon Nelson about it and he said oh you need to contact uh, Brian Hovalbian about it because they've still got the weapons and that was the end of that wasn't and it that, was, that wasn't the end of that oh really yeah, yeah, so basically oh, this uh, is great yeah, then, it's like having the Chuckle, the Chuckle Brothers it's like Jack and Ori with a statutory basis I really so, like it so one thing about Palace is that we've got some really good sports journalists who work for yes. decent newspapers who then made immediate phone calls to Brighton Hove Albion and asked them about the weapons and Brighton said we don't know anything about the weapons. Right. So that so wasn't the end of that. That then. wasn't the end of right. that. So then, in the background, I think, uh, Brighton Police and Sussex Police got into a bit of a heated argument about these weapons, and it was then decided by Sussex Police that they would release a statement admitting that these were falsehoods, uh, they'd taken this, this information in good faith. From one mythical constable. From, uh, from a mythical constable. On the night, yeah. And this is where we then decided we're going to submit a Freedom of Information Act request uh, about these weapons to, to, well, essentially about what happened that night because we wanted, we wanted to know who reported the weapons to Sussex Police. Like, if, if these weapons existed, who was it that reported them? How did that end up getting documented? Because the, the police would document any of those things. Yeah. In our mind, we also wanted to know why it was that when weapons were seen, witnessed to have entered the stadium, uh, why wasn't anything done about it at that time? Why were how many arrests were made yeah. uh, in 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 you know in re- in reference to those weapons? 
And so we submitted that, and then we submitted an additional Freedom of Information Act request that just dug a little bit further, and that, that basically sought to find, to essentially kind of dig for more answers. How do you go about, very briefly, how do you go about submitting that? It's really simple. There's a, there, there's a website. Um, it's, it, the Sussex Police basically provide a Freedom of Information Act um, email address that you can submit. Oh, that's handy. So, uh, they might be regretting that. Yeah, I think there'll be a few things that are regretting really? by the sounds of it. <laughs> so anyway... So uh, obviously they answered all those requests for Robin Goodtime, right? Yes, indeed. Oh, no, wait, they didn't. Oh, right. No, so they, uh, they then decided that they would uh, provide us with a refusal notice on one of those Freedom of Information Act requests, uh, which essentially just said uh, public interest means we can't disclose these, these details. So we, th- th- that, that's, that was purely to do with one of the Freedom of Information Act requests. The other one they didn't respond to at all. So we, th- we then ended up sending them a long-worded li- long letter um, all about essentially just asking for an internal investigation into how they managed to come to that conclusion that, uh, that, that a refusal notice was acceptable. And I imagine they responded to that letter. They didn't. Oh, okay. Well, so at all. when we didn't get a response to that, they kept saying, oh, yeah, it'll come in a few days' time. You know, we'll, we'll promise it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, after a while, we then decided uh, to submit all of that information in, in a big pack to the Information Commissioner's Office, detailing every single step of the process that we went through. It, was, it, it had an attachment of about 15 PDF files of letters and everything else, and left it with the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, and uh, waited to see what the ICO would come back with. And what did they come back with, Rob? Well, they came back and said that, uh, the, that Sussex Police were in breach of uh, the Freedom oh. of Information Act on one of those complaints we made bear in mind that there are three complaints right. the, the first one was to do with the initial freedom of information act request the second one to do with the second one and the third one to do with the letter so they've come back and said from the first one uh, they're in breach of it they need to provide either a valid refusal notice or they need to answer the questions that we asked <laughs> But the best thing about it is, this is just this is literally the tip of the iceberg for them because we are also uh, the ICO are also investigating the second Freedom of Information Act request, which they didn't even respond to, and the third issue of the letter, which they didn't respond to either. Now, in all of those cases, the ICO came back to us and said we've been promised by Sussex Police that they should provide the the, the letter a, a response to the letter within a few within a few days. And uh, the Freedom of Information Act request that, that they would respond to that. They didn't do any of this. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever because all of these things are... It could have been resolved if Sussex Police had just said when they got the first request, um, if they'd have either provided us with a, a, a refusal notice that actually went into detail as to why they couldn't share that information... Or if they'd have just confessed to the fact it was complete and utter bullshit and it was made up on the spot as a way to distract from the fact that they failed as a police force. Because you can find, I hesitate to say this to the lawyer, but you can find legal ways of saying that, can't you? Express, they, they, they will have clever lawyers that can express that those sentiments exactly and dress it up without actually you, saying we you would thought, think, yeah. You would think, but from, from my perspective, I don't think they, if they've consulted a lawyer about it, I don't know what kind of advice they got. So where are we up to at the moment? Then? So we're, we're, we're essentially, um, 
the ICO have told them they need to respond within 35 days. So, so four, four weeks, five weeks, I think it is. They need to respond within that time frame with either a, a valid refusal notice, which goes through our uh, FOI request and, and basically explains why they can't disclose those details, or they face a fine. Um, I don't know what the, what the amount is. Or it could end up with a senior officer being imprisoned. Well, <laughs> so you might have sent the police to, to, to prison. Yes. Oh, and, what, exactly. and so far, what's the Sussex police response been to what they've said then? They released a statement. Right. And in that statement, they basically said... Did they show contrition and some sort of humility? No. Oh, uh, they basically said, we provided them with a valid refusal notice, which is complete and utter bullcrap because the ICO have come back and said that that isn't the case. Yeah. They've also said that some of the information that we requested they already published, which is, again is not the case because we were very clear about that. We wanted to understand all of these things. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> they've said they've also said they're going to respond to the 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 uh, the declar- what is it the the declaration that the ICO came out with. So we, we, I mean it's it's one of those things we're going to have to wait and see we'll know in about four weeks time what Sussex Which, are playing it, it's kind of frustrating John isn't it and first of all I mean congratulations Rob well done for keeping the whole Bernstein and Woodward thing going and persisting with it but it's what's it's frustrating and encouraging because it's frustrating John in that there are still police forces they mentioned the, the word dark old days there are still police forces who think they can just turn around and blame football fans for everything with impunity but the encouraging thing is there at least there at least is a legal system now where whereby football fans have immediate reject as they didn't have in decades gone by as we've tragically seen but there is at least a legal way that we can hold them to account and they have to be accountable so that is something but it's just so frustrating that it, they're just it still takes, it's taken real persistence but, but it and has been really and it shouldn't were... it shouldn't need to but it's just the fact that a police force can still just on the night go we said for they caused trouble we responded blah 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 they tried to get him without paying they, they had knives and knuckle dusters and, and to think they can do that without being held to account is I, I, I think there are a couple of things I think first I mean uh, without sounding dramatic or, or kind of even romantic we're we're living in an age now where we don't know what to believe and I think Rob someone like you taking and the effort of actually pursuing this through a proper official legal process you, you should be strongly and highly commended because I think it's absolutely fantastic and it's it's kind of what's needed yeah. in society the second point Kevin is going back to your um, notion of the dark the dark days or dark ages where the police very much were part of that and the the allegations um, uh, I haven't got the legal term but around the knuckle dusters and the knives potentially can fuel I'd call them a, demonstrable falsehoods okay yeah, well there you go yeah, thank you you're a lawyer um, there you're welcome so, yeah. okay um, <laughs> 50 it, it, it fuels <laughs> anger um, it fuels violence because they're using the symbols of violence as yeah. a means in, a, in an untruthful way. Um, they are setting, and we know, I mean, without going into, we all know this long history of the dark days of Hillsborough yeah. and, and what happened there. And that is kind of, you know, it's using this violence. The police are using these terms. Allegedly, you know, we don't know if it's false or not. They haven't given us the evidence or we haven't given you the evidence. Um, it's highly, highly dangerous. Um, uh, one thing I'm kind of interested in also is, has the club palace at all been in contact or shown any... Um, no, not really. Um, I, I can kind of understand why. Um, they are in a, in a position where they have to work with the police force, uh, with Sussex Police, um, 
to kind of to work on match arrangements and everything else. Um, but I think it's just I, I think it's one of those situations where this is something that needs to be fan powered. You know that mm. there are that you know there, there's a case that the that, that I'm sure that Palace as a club are pleased that we're doing what we can to try and clear our name sure. as a fan base. I think that's the biggest issue that I have with all of this is that when they said some fans got into the to, went into the ground with knives and knuckle dusters not only does it say that there are that there were individuals who were carrying deadly weapons into the stadium but it also says that we as as fellow palace fans would have stood idly by and allowed that to happen yeah. that we are complicit in that yeah. process mm. and to me, that's the and most... And by extension, that, all football fans are complicit in And it's that, the yeah. most reprehensible thing. And you end up in a situation where, you know, the, the, the whole pyrotechnics thing was, was un- unacceptable, really. In the grand scheme of things, in a modern football stadium, all of that stuff, people don't want to see pyrotechnics. I understand that. I understand why some of the fans took them in. But that's not... Those aren't knives and knuckle dusters. Yeah. Yeah. They're smoke bombs that, aren't, that are going to make you cough for a little bit, and that's it. I've, I've, I've spoken to some people who are on the I didn't even know this was a thing but they are there are liaison committees so before most away games and especially games with the potential for volatility shall we say people from the club plus fan representatives go down to Sussex and meet with fan representatives from Brighton meet with the police from Brighton and discuss potential issues things that might happen where certain people might be in the ground the, the time of the kickoff train times is there you know all, all sorts of things around the infrastructure transport and um, they met afterwards as, as a standard practice and my understanding is that most of the people involved with brighton and the sussex police were just holding their head in their hands at what the senior police officer the you know the mistakes were made and that he he reacted that way and it's just added another level of tension to ongoing Palace Brighton and also the, the difficulty with Palace as well is they're aware of what we're doing but they're very of course they're keen to maintain good relationships with another Premier League club and they're keen not to ratch the tension up any further but the thing is we all knew on his, his own common sense should have said or, or somebody around him should have said don't say knuckle dusters because it's just ludicrous. Because everyone, everyone's suddenly, everyone's antennaizing. Because it's such a ludicrous seventies, it's, it's such a seventies, eighties object. Such a, a cartoon. It's such a cartoon. Came right in on their grifters. My sons wouldn't know what a knuckle duster. We drink in the Paulson's arms. I, yeah, exactly. I don't think there's a knuckle duster. In that. If there's anywhere in Thornton Heath, there's going to be a knuckle duster. It's in the Paulson's arms. <laughs> there aren't. It's, it's such a. It's such, that's somebody who doesn't know football fans searching around for something who realizes that mistakes have been made on the ground and says knives and knuckle dusters. And then when he's asked for the source of that he says oh well it's it's you know pl- policemen on the ground talk to each other so so you say so you say it's a rumor then and then they say no we've got photographs of them where are they well we haven't got them sorry but we've lost the photo and it's just it's just nonsense and it's kind of like it's a situation the police find themselves in where if the day after that the you know the sussex chief constable had said actually i was misinformed it turns out that you know there were some high spirits palace fans some of them didn't exactly you'd go all right fair enough it's a real of course it's it's a game of high attention it's palace brighton but doesn't it I don't think there's anyone in the country. Those days are long gone. I mean, there, that's, there, that's why there are a couple of other things that, that I think need to be touched upon as well. So the, the, the one thing is it doesn't answer... Like, if, if knives and knuckle dusters were the thing that they were concerned about, then if there isn't evidence of it, then it also then underlines the fact that a large number of Crystal Palace fans who were waiting to get into the stadium and were then turned away were treated in an 
imbalanced kind of way. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was unjust. The second thing is that none of this touches upon the fact that, that Brighton and Hove Albion as a football club and Sussex Police as a police force allowed a football supporter from inside the stadium to open up an emergency exit, yeah. which then allowed people to come through. That is a major security breach. Because right. you end up in, yeah. in, in a world where terrorism activity happens yeah. on a frequent basis, where in Paris you ended up with, with, two su- with suicide bombers attempting to enter, a fo- enter into a football stadium. When you've got people able to open up an emergency exit and allowing people into the ground, that's a huge issue and it hasn't been touched upon at all. Mm. Well, uh, at, at least it shows that if you ask the right questions, you might end up getting some well, good I, answers. I think as well, just to wrap it up, I think the Chief Constable of Sussex would have been astonished that football fans would be taking him to task. I don't think it would have occurred to him for a second. Uh, I, you know, I'm generalising here. I'm, I've got a picture of him in my head. It may be totally wrong, but I imagine he thought that football fans would be you know, the sort of people who are capable of carrying knives and knuckle dusters aren't going to be articulate enough to to challenge whatever he says through the, the proper course of the law. And it, it it just shows how little people know about modern football because, in, you know, it, you, we joke about the Portons Arms, but yeah, in the Portons Arms, there are architects and lawyers, ex-judges, there's all sorts of people. There's more than one of us. Exactly. But also, there's also, I'm you know, fo- are there any brand fans? Or? There's always one brand. There's always, <laughs> well, we have police could do with one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't liked to tell you about the other brand consultant that we've been there's loads yeah, keep, of keep that quiet Porter's arms is full don't of them don't do that to me <laughs> right let <we're> swiftly <laughs> moving yeah, on we'll move just, on to my point is that, that you know people in authority it, they they, they generalise about football fans they stereotype us at their peril because it's always been the case you know people assume it's a working class game therefore people in the, you know they're a rabble that's that's we've seen that in the 60s 70s 80s and now people clearly still hold those views and that's that's got to change and John's point is absolutely right if the if the police use brutal language then brutal language and brutality will be used in turn because as somebody who lived through the 70s and 80s and away trains you know being locked into I remember going to Wrexham and especially when we were locked in the, the carriages padlocked you know with, but as somebody went through police brutality you know it's so much of the trouble that happened in those days was because of the way the police expected things to happen and the way they treated ordinary football fans and that simply can't be allowed to happen again. And so that attitude that, that we're challenging, that's got to be challenged. So in conclusion, we're going to be keeping you up to date on whatever, else, whatever else happens from this point on. I think that's an appropriate time to move on to some questions. Lovely. From, from some, uh, some other football fans than ourselves. Um, I'm going to start with something quite controversial, because you know me. Uh, this question is from Wayne Hart Lovelace. I like Wayne, Wayne Hart Lovelace. Not I, Wayne Hart. I like this being controversial, because it's very uh, controversially timed. Sirlot, championship player? Question mark. Is Wayne Hart Loveless your new Twitter handle? It's not. You described no. him as a, the Blonde Abrahams. The Blonde Abrahams. Did you? What did you call him? I, I, I might have said via a very private conversation during which I had a legitimate expectation of privacy <laughs> that uh, he, he might be the Scandinavian Wilbraham. Sorry, take, yeah. that, take that bit out. Someone, <laughs> no, I am uh, not Wayne Hart, Hart, uh, uh, Hart Lovelace. Somebody around this table described him as the blonde Wilbrahams, didn't they? Well, I, I was hoping this might facilitate a discussion rather than a disclosure uh, of my private communications, but I mean, by all means, we can... Uh, I think it's too... <laughs> it's, it's in the nature of football fans to speculate, but he's... How long has he been on the pitch for? And, uh, in first team games, not very long at the most. He's he's mobile. He won a couple of headers in the same way that Benteke did. 
it's, it's too early to judge until he starts. I mean, he took the goal really well against Swansea's reserves last night. He's he's clearly an option as Wickham is, but it's I don't. He doesn't look like he's got the makings of a Premier League striker at the moment. But he's he's young and he's a squad player. And, you know, we've cried out in the past for players with potential, but at the same time, there's always that. Yeah, potential's great, but we want somebody to score goals now. So, I, I still think it's. I think if you're looking at Premier League quality, then maybe there's an element of that kind of touch missing a little bit, mm. um, and that that can come from just experience of English football in some ways, because there is an expectation that a defender will be right on you to try and mm. take the ball off you if you if you miscontrol it. In some regards, you could argue, yeah, he is a Championship player because he kind of needs Championship level football for maybe a season to kind of get him into gear. Um, you look at Mitrovic for example that's ended exactly up, the point ended up at Newcastle didn't score very many goals goes into the championship scores plenty and mm. then comes back and he's doing really well for Fulham now he's, scored, he's, he's so far he's scored for Fulham in the premiership the same amount of goals that Benteke has scored in over a season yeah. mm. so I think it's it's one of those things like maybe maybe he needs an opportunity to play regular football rather than just being a bit part substitute but that goal that he scored was a decent take I think I think if Roy, it, Roy take that as a positive, um, so yeah, we'll see. I don't think we're likely to see him start games unless Benteke is injured, because I think it's more likely that it will change the system than we'll just replace Benteke with Serlot. To be perfectly honest, although it would, it, we have mentioned this, it was interesting that Wilf said he scored against Reading. I think didn't he won the the pre-season friendlies yeah Wilf put the ball in and he, he, Wilf was really glowing in his praise of how much he'd enjoyed training with Sherlock but, and he is he's he's clearly fit he's clearly fast he's, and he is mobile so I think he's a good option off the bench we, we, I mean we've got three strikers I mean Zaha yeah. four right but Wickham we don't know what's happening so I, I consider you know last two seasons we've been playing with 1.5 strikers yeah. Yeah. which is a sin I think we have no option but to keep him Moving on to another question from Dean Finney. Hi, Dean. It's about uh, the main man, Roy. Is Roy a little unsettled? Ordinarily, Roy is the consummate gentleman with only good things to say, even about crappy things. However, it appears in the last week, Roy has been frustrated by the Watford mascot. There was a slightly more abusive way of referring to Watford there. (laughs) Watford mascot and got into a war of words with Swansea in the build-up to last night's game. This does seem a bit out of character for Roy. Do you think he's more tetchy than normal? The Swansea thing was... the, the, The... Watford mascot thing I think was genuinely his way of finding another angle of as we said raising the Zahar diving thing and he was asked about it as well he he didn't pluck it out of the blue he was asked a question by a journalist the Swansea thing's interesting because Swansea have asked for an apology because they they point blank refute his suggestion they said that they did give Palace the option of playing on a Wednesday and Palace refused it's not the sort of thing he normally gets drawn into I, I don't know if if he is more frustrated. I don't know why because you know we've we've lost two games, but they are to two teams that are in the top three. We've lost to you know, Liverpool and Watford, who have both got hundred percent records. You could you know, but arguably with a, a better refereeing and better luck, we would have got four points out of those two games. So the quality of the football we're playing, apart from. 15 minutes yeah we played very well against Fulham we played very well against Liverpool apart from 15 minutes against Watford we played well and the least the least we deserve was a point so I'd, I'd he does seem a bit touchy but I don't know why that would be I think people I think it's because he's normally very good at managing his image you talk to people at the club we talk to players we know that he can be quite 
you know, it's like any politician or businessman. You don't get to be at the top of your your tree for that long without having an edge. And the, you know, James McArthur told us, other players have told us that there's a there's an edge to Roy, there's, and he's he's very good at managing that. He's very good at coming across as the cuddly thing. And again, I think it's there's an element of ages in the world because people think oh somebody that age should be you know, should be a bit more dignified. But I don't mind it. I I go back to what John says. I don't mind seeing my manager touching. I don't mind seeing my manager publicly taking on other teams and if he thinks there's an injustice I'll, I'm quite happy for him to say it out loud I'm quite happy for him to, to have a go that they're, they're two Bob mascot I'm quite happy if he thinks that he'd, we're not being well well done to I want him to stand up and say that I, I think um, I think is it Dean who asked us that question it was Dean I Dean Finney I think the, Dean well done I've been thinking the same thing actually and um, it's, it's your pseudonym Dean Finney seeing as I've been accused of being Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Hart Lovelace yeah no, he's, I'm, he's, I am AKA okay. Dean okay yeah, yeah. he's Findini um, yeah okay. Findini yeah. <laughs> um, after the Liverpool game uh, I, I was taken by his yeah. press conference because he was irate about the penalty. And again, I agree with you about um, it's great to see a manager like that, but it's not really, it wasn't his style for the last season. Um, and he used a type of language with that, which I hadn't heard before, which was something along the lines of if this is modern day football and that's, mm. uh, then, you know, it's past me kind of thing, right? It was something along, anyway, he was kind of saying this is absolutely ridiculous. But he framed it in such a way that didn't sound quite like him. Well, he was angry with the journalist for answering, yeah, for asking as yeah. well. And he said, he said I, know, I know where you're trying to lead me with this. And then, yeah, but, and then but, went, but he let it, went he, live. Yeah. He, yeah. So there was that. So I remember listening to that um, on, on the pod extra, actually. Available on, on, on yeah, yeah, patreon.com okay. forward slash FYP. I'm surprised you've got £2.65 yeah, yeah. a month. I'm amazed you've got yeah. £2.60 £2. now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the, oh, yeah, the pound is so shit With the amount of money you sponsor us for, I'm surprised you've got £2.30 left to listen to that. I know, I know. Exactly, exactly. i got to take... But it is... I mean, I have to admit, it struck an alarm with me. I thought, that's quite interesting. Um there was something about that Liverpool game that I found quite interesting as well although Liverpool were you know a great team and stuff they, you know, when we were 1-0 down it was almost like we were playing for a 1-0 loss you know it, it kind of felt and there was something then occurred to me was thinking do we actually have as good a squad as we've got now as we had last season you know I'm thinking goodbye Loftus-Cheek we got to go, you know and I'm just wondering was that playing on his mind or does that you know that yeah. he can't then the Watford thing and I'm going to have to disagree with Kevin when I heard the whole Hornet man dressed up as an obese bee or whatever it is and he he was talking about a mascot i just thought oh oh no something something's not right here it's it's it doesn't make sense we're going to lose this game you you can't in your pre-match football in conference uh in the premiership talk about a bumblebee or a hornet what about if he did it about Gunnosaurus? Would it be a bit better then? Uh, yeah, maybe. But, yeah. No, but, it, but he it, was it, asked. He was asked. He yeah, didn't, he didn't just swerve it. I mean, didn't, it, it just didn't seem... It, it, provoked the wrong, it provoked the wrong side or the wrong area for the game but, to... For, for manage to provoke the match. He did also say in the same press conference, though, which is overlooked, because somebody asked him about being Watford's bogey, bogey team. And he said, I've been talking to my players all week about that. You can't think you're a team's boat. So that's, again, that's a, a positive, mm. that's a good sign. But maybe he's, <coughs> I'm not sure what the circumstances of Stephen Reid leaving are, but he, he obviously went with some family. So maybe that's unsettled him a little bit because he was, uh, from what I gather, he's very close to Stephen Reid. He's lost a, mm. uh, a good a good coach there. So that must yep. be slightly unsettling. But he, 
yeah, he hasn't seemed quite as his cuddly self. But a part of that is that he's not always cuddly Roy anyway. Well, it? someone's come up with the reason why this has all happened, and it's not so much a question, but a, a little comment from Palace Pilot. Hi, Palace Pilot. So it's not a question, just an observation that on the last pod. Someone said, I reckon we'll get more points away from home this season than we did last. Can you not make comments like this? As I feel there's a direct correlation between those comments and not winning away from home. We've already won. We've got a 50% home. We've got three points away from home out of two games. And we've won away in the cup. So it's factually accurate then. Yeah, but I I fully agree because as... I, I take responsibility for Palace losing on Sunday because I inadvertently said on TalkSport that I think we would win. And I believe if you if you shake your fist at Karma like that, so I think Palace Pilot is absolutely right. We should None of us should make anything other than negative predictions about... Let's just carry on talking about the Sussex police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah mean, we'll beat them every superstitious time. superstitious mentals, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, moving on Whoa, to... Well, it's 2018. You can't... It's super, superstitious... Psychologically <laughs> unbalanced, surely. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> moving on to a question about Jara Riedeveld no. from Panda Arms 101. Hi, Why on God's green earth would you even consider getting rid of Gyro? I've only ever seen him play well. He's versatile and was once, before coming to us, considered one of the greatest prospects in Dutch football. John Curran, Gyro. Um, I haven't seen enough. He's a very young player and by all accounts he will he can blossom into a, a very good player. Um, I I saw it was interesting in on yes in yesterday's game against Swansea. He he moved on. He moved to left back. Mm. I thought he did such a better job than Schlupp. So much so that you know if he's this versatile player, would, I mean Schlupp is getting absolutely roasted by a a, a, a kind of debutant in the Swansea team every time Schlupp is out of position and. And I thought Rudolf showed much more maturity on the ball, uh, playing the ball, and then obviously he he got the assist for the goal, which actually, if you watch it, is a blinding pass. Yeah. Was he getting any stick from Swansea fans after his point blank refusal to move there on loan? I think there were about three in oh, the okay. stadium. Right. So um, I don't think it was. <laughs> I think I'm I'm delighted that Riedewald stayed because I think he's uh, as Panda alludes to him and Davidson Sanchez were considered the best two centre-backs in Europe, certainly in their age group. Uh, I think he's I think he's a great squad player. I think he's a left-back. I think he's a, a defensive midfielder. I'm really delighted that he stayed where he still does in January. I don't know, but I think he's exactly the sort of squad player we should be looking for. I think it's a bit of a balancing act, though, in that I think that Palace were hoping to get IU on, on a permanent basis and that didn't material, materialise. But they wanted to keep one loan space available until January. Um, so Riedewald would have been an ideal player to kind of shift. Mm. Uh, because because I don't think really Roy sees him as, as being a player that he... I mean, we signed two centre mids um, in the window, which to me suggests that centre mid is some is an area that he that Roy wanted to, to kind of focus on, and Riedewald should be playing in that position. Um, he played... At centre back for well, Frank de Boer signed him as a centre back, played him in one game in that position, and decided he wasn't good enough to yeah. do it. Um, and then the other, the counter argument to the whole to the Davis and Sanchez partnership is that one player went for forty five million, and we ended up getting Riedewald for ten. 
So he that, wants, he I just think play, he wants to play in front of the back too. I, the I totally get, that's where he that's I mean, where I, he sees I, his strengths. I, I get you know what it is. I think that there's an element with Palace fans of the player that you don't know being better than, than the one that you do. And Johnny Win, uh, Williams syndrome. Johnny Williams, it. Yeah. Sully Kai Kai. Um, Jason Lakilo, who Pat's ex Palace player. Yeah. I've seen people say, like, what, you know, we, I rate him. Why is he not playing? Why is he yeah. not playing? And you kind of think, well, well how often have got... you actually seen him play in competitive games? I, I just think. Well, he won't be playing now as he's gone. So, I, well, he on loan at yeah. the moment, but with the, with a view to permanent. It looks but, like Kai Kai is going to Brentford as well as we speak. So. Yeah. So I mean, but I kind of think, like, again, there's a reason why Roy isn't picking certain players, and it's it's because he doesn't rate them. Yeah. You know. In the in the grand scheme of things, well, he doesn't like Readabout doesn't even get on the bench. Also, I think in the Premier League fixtures. The reason he's not picking them, I and it comes back to John's question: Do we have a stronger squad than before? The answer is yes. That's why he's not mm. picking them. Is that he's, he's not better? Than, they're not well, better than the players we've got currently yeah. in the first and team. We but they're certainly pounds on Kiate. But they're certainly better than the players we've had in in the squad in the past. They're versatile, talented players. Readabout's not scared of taking the ball, so he's a very good option should you need him I, I, he wouldn't be in my first 11 but I, I, I'm happy that he's there as a, an option compared to people we've had in the past I'm going to end with something altogether more irreverent why have you not I'm, I'm getting really spooked by the fact that you've not mentioned Hennessy at all it's like you're playing some sort of long game. I, I, I don't need waiting. to add anything to does, that, does, that Wayne, does Wayne Hennessy look good in the new goalkeeping kit it's a very nice goalkeeping kit, that. Nice, go, nice kit. That's the answer. His yeah, distribution go, was poor. So I thought he, he made one really, really... He can't, he's not a fault for the goal, I think. Look, he's a little bit of a fault. It's not as much... I wholeheartedly <laughs> endorse the comments made by Adam Sells on the Watford FYP Extra podcast. You can afford £2.30 on, as well. On, on Patron. Well, you're a lawyer. You <laughs> it's can, not Patron, it's Patron, isn't it? Yeah, you're yeah. a lawyer. You can listen to it Patron 24... Is, uh, that's a whiskey. High so brand. Have to that's tequila. Oh, tequila. It's sorry, a high yeah. brand tequila, I think. Yeah. Uh, which I might be needing off this podcast, frankly. But moving on to my irreverent question. What did Adam Sells say about him? On the, you know, well, you, you have to subscribe for that, will you? Yeah. Well, you know that's not going to happen. I would, I've refused to be on it for a year. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought what Adam Sells was... A, it was a really good point, Yeah, it was a really good point. I would say in the top three points ever made. I don't, I don't have to be Roy sure that really whole story about Selzy and Messi as well was incredible. <laughs> I don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to work out that if you endorse what he said, it was probably critical of Hennessy. I think it well, it was critical of uh, Wayne Hennessy's uh, fleet-footedness or lack thereof. He made a very, very good save moments before. He he probably kept us in the game for ten minutes. And I, that, I yeah. don't know why you try and draw me into this. I've already said that I'm not coming. Because I think it's really important. Yeah, it's, it, it is important to, to comment upon his distribution and him being caught under the flight. No, even though I admit his distribution was poor on... I mean, he was... Hodgson pointed out he was in exactly the position he should have been for a cross that came in. So it was a gust of wind. Kayla the Eagle... Can I move on to my reverent question? Yes. Yes. Is, it, is Hennessy in it? No, thankfully. <laughs> He tried to be, but he's about four minutes late. He'll be coming <laughs> in halfway through the, the break. Uh, it's from Eagle Snapback. Hi, Eagle Snapback. Hello. I have a question for the main pod. I think that's a point of remark about the extra. But I have a question for the main pod. This is, of course, the main pod, which will uh, remain free forever. Yeah, power to the people. Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. Do we think, it's very important, do we think Johnny Williams looks better with the shaved head or with hair? Oh, it just makes me... I'll put it out there. It's it one just, of the deep philosophical questions of our age. Oh, I feel old enough as it is, but that's it, just seeing a bald Johnny Williams makes me feel... <laughs> an ageing Johnny Williams makes me feel ancient. It's just not... It's just not... It, there's a picture of him celebrating with Sir and it just looks like he's 
crawled out from under a Norwegian bridge. I like the Walter White scaring. look to him. Oh, it's like a little bit of shaved head beard thing going there's on. There's a little bit of shaved head. I mean, everything <laughs> shaved. <laughs> He beard. looks like, as you pointed out, John, he looks Give like him one of those John Hartson and, a, looks like, and glasses, and you'd end up. It's like a mini John Hartson. Chin ritual where um, he's uh, had a full head of hair, then he knew that it was uh, thinning quite rapidly as a young guy and tried every technique pos- as possible, apart from other techniques, to make it look like he kind of had hair. Um, and that's called the transition stage. And then reality uh, dawns, and he either tries to do the comb over. Or he goes and gets it all shaven. So he's kind of re, been reborn as, as, as a man. Well, what it proves to me is that he doesn't travel by tube because he clearly hasn't seen the Bill Gray the Hairless Clinic advert. But there must be. That was a, a particularly unnecessary and spiteful joke, which is why I liked it so much. It's no, not actually a spiteful joke, it's fact. It's fact, also. <laughs> you're talking about my somebody, wife, my kids all yeah, know it's you're, JD. Talk, you're talking about somebody who's been massaging, managing his remaining hair for the last 10 years. But John, as an anthropologist, I imagine mm. there are tribes where, where baldness is considered well, virile and strong, isn't it? Very much so. And also, it's many a culture around the world where hair isn't it? Hair or the lack of hair are essential parts of the identity. So he might be seen as having an immense sense of power because he stands out. I've got an immense sense of power because I can now say that we're moving into a break. (laughs) And we are moving into a break. That's a good one. Thank you very much. It made me feel like a really big person. That's a very interesting... Until I stand up next to John. Anthropological point there, the managing hair loss in society must be... Please respect my power here. I'm Becky Fox. I thought we stopped. I thought we stopped. No, no, we're moving into Becky Fox. Please join us in part three. Podcast. We oh. just had a fascinating off-air discussion about um, the nature of baldness in various South Pacific tribes. Yeah, and he had to wield his gavel, and yeah, you know, yeah. that's what you get when John's on the discussion. British yeah. judges don't use gavels as yeah. well. No, I'm you guessing one thing about Vector, much as I admire Vector, and, their, their and that's Vector with a K. Okay. Thank you very much. Is that their their knowledge of um, the power of baldness in South Pacific tribes is probably less than JC Isis. <laughs> I mean, this is the most brilliantly intuitive segue I've heard between the two sponsors ever. I mean, of course, that, that knowledge of anthropology came from uh, John Curran of JC uh, Innovation and Strategy. Is it JC? Yeah, there we go. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've, I've put me completely off my stride. Uh, Southampton. Uh, you know, Streety, somebody who wears a wig for a, as part of his job as well, which is... I'm not embarrassed, though. He will be, though. Well, Are you going to go all the way QC? I don't know what I'm going to do. I barely know what I'm doing next Tuesday, let alone in 30 years' time. Uh, but I do know that Palace are playing Southampton on Saturday. Mm, yes. Nice. And I'm going to do what JD always does and start with a question about the upcoming opposition. And it's from, this is quite an esoteric name, SF79SF. Hi, SF. Nice, hi, SF. Right. Will a loss against Southampton this weekend put any real pressure on Hodgson? No. Kevin Day. No. No, not a pressure... No, maybe not pressure in terms of his job, but pressure in terms of a bad start to the season, maybe? I think, well, you, I think inevitably you're always going to compare this season to last season and we'll go into, whatever happens, we'll go into an international break several points and several goals ahead of where we were last year. I think it's quite a significant one because it's Southampton were his first game last season and we came in with higher expectations and we arguably performed as badly as we had done in any game under De Boer. So it's very deflating. He'll be wanting, I think, to set a mark here. We wanted to tell, say to the press afterwards, this was my first game last year. We lost. This time we want, you know, look how much we progressed. I think 
Southampton are a team we should be looking to beat at Sellers Park we've, we've started you know, towards the end of last season we started to look much stronger at Sellers Southampton have had a dodgy start well played to them for beating Brighton last night again with a much changed team I think a bit harsh of their fans to take machetes and rocket launchers yeah all those how they got those rocket launchers yeah, through into the ground was yeah, terrible I they, they are Crams. they're not they're not a, a physical side they're not a team that will swarm all over your midfield they are a team that tend to let you play football which is ironic considering who their who their manager is I think they'll travel to Sellers Park with more trepidation than we will have in in facing them but I don't think no I don't think it will put any undue pressure to I mean, it would be disappointing if we as I say if we did start so well and again the nature of the performance but if we play as well as we played for this season then I think we should be looking to beat them I think it'll be a tight and tetchy match I think um, Southampton haven't had that much that great a start either maybe um, well, they've, they've got think, one point and that was against Burnley I so. think if you I think if we start the way we did against Watford and actually take those chances then that, yeah. that's what that's the key thing and that's what will be drilled into the team going into well, the well that's match. talking of chances MacArthur missed a chance against, yeah. this is the one player we probably haven't mentioned I thought MacArthur was our man of the match on Sunday quite easily and again has gone under the radar a little bit I thought he was on a on a day when Luca had, did have an off day there's no two ways about it it wasn't up to his normal standard so he's he was only a five or six instead of an eight schlup you know it was a round peg in the square hole I thought MacArthur was really really good his en- his energy and his industry in midfield were great and he did break through and he was uh, he pinpointed by the chap from the Watford podcast who appeared on the Watford Extra right. he said that his runs ahead of the ball and into the box were one of the things that they thought were really worrying in the first half which is it's interesting to hear James MacArthur spoken about so who's, who's, listen, who's listening to the Watford Extra all sorts of people I'm not even listening to the, the Palace Extra, extra so which, the Pod Extra but well you came on the Pod Extra a Watford fan yeah. on there as well yeah, there's a Watford fan on the Pod Extra because yeah. you wouldn't go on it so I've never, I, actually haven't, I haven't been asked on it and there's Watford fans going on it it's actually quite an interesting one yeah, mm. yeah. wow I find it. I find that's it a really harsh thing. That's a kick in the teeth. Yeah. From from a branding point of view, it's also quite <laughs> But now, 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 there's a danger that you created two brands over the one brand, the extra yeah, plus yeah. The, the main, and then with people never, you know, gravitate to the extra, then what happens to the main? Well, all it's I'm, like Coke. Coke when they try to do a Coke classic. Well, all I'm going to say to Palace fans listening out there, proper decent genuine working class Palace fans if you're actually willing to pay money to listen to Watford fans on the pod extra then don't listen to this I, 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 I'm I, oh, shameful actually uh, charging Palace that's, fans that's why we have to have an innovation strategy man <laughs> yeah. on the podcast uh, counterbalance you Kevin uh, he just said we're destroying our own brand no, you're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, however, All has done for the sake of 23 pounds. I want to move on. I want to move on. I want to move on to Joe Curley. You've, you've met me, He's, haven't you? Yes, I have. I can <laughs> forgive, but I can't forget. I know, quite. Or forgive. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Curley's done our research for us, so we don't have to. Uh, Southampton centre back, Vestergaard, is nearly two metres tall. This will oh. surely negate Benteke's aerial advantage. Should Roy drop the big man? and push Townsend forward to join Wolf up top last, last season, John Curran. I mean, yeah, but I mean, potentially. Why not? I mean, I, I think, I mean, we've talked about this, Teke, and you know what my views are. Um, if there's a, there's a guy who's two metres tall, um, it, I mean, how is Benteke going to win a header? Uh, or, or, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Benteke is not really holding up the ball well enough at the moment as well. Um, it could be the chance. I mean, Southampton aren't looking at all good. They have um, one of the last 
dinosaurs of British managers that I can't wait to see um, go not going to extinction. I, 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 I that's pity, good. That's good, Brad. I pity the um, Southampton. That they it is because Jurassic World was on ITV on Sunday. Oh, yeah. um, well, but your point about the the as I'm, I'm trying to move on before you say something you regret about Mark Hughes uh, <laughs> I don't think you'll regret it in the slightest having heard him speak no. about it that's, but the point about the, the the two metre that's quite tall and it was that six foot yeah the two metres if you're if you're wide men are getting to the byline and pulling across his back it doesn't matter how tall the centre back is mm. if you are trying to if, Bente, if it's Benteke trying to get under Hennessy's increasingly erratic clearances then it does make a difference but you would like to think you know people talked about Virgil van Dijk being man of the match for Liverpool in that game but we kind of played into his hands a little bit because so many of the times the ball's heading towards Benteke's head with his back to go on so it's, it's easy for van Dijk to win those headers you'd like to see some tactical adaptation made to you know, to acknowledge the fact that he's a huge centre back, and also with the fact that he's such a big centre back, you would assume that there's a lack of mobility. So, I imagine Roy will have, you know, if he's aware of the fact that he's quite tall, I'm sure Roy will be aware of that fact. I think there's yeah. something that, again, I'm going back to Adam. Adam sells. He said, when you are playing that kind of false number nine, um, you do need a, the ball carriers, the people yeah. who can run from deep with the ball and Loftus-Cheek can do that Zaha can drop back and did that yeah, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a little bit sceptical that if we go back to a false nine that we don't have the deep enough players who can get the ball and do, although, do something with it although funny enough we kind of do because we've just talked about it, the poor little hair loss fellow five well, he, minutes ago Johnny he, Williams who was exceptional against Swansea but Johnny Williams has always been you know the injury thing will always blight him but he's also for, probably for four seasons if he'd ever been when he the rare times he plays for us is one of the few players capable of carrying the ball from the the, the you know thirty yards in in yeah. an hour half into their half, and again as we talked about before, it's so difficult to deal with somebody who's running directly at you with with pace and he's fearless as well. So it's I mean, I I've, for me that would be one of the great Palace stories if he were to manage to work his way into the into the Premier League into the first teams have a season injury free because he's clearly. A, a, a quality player he's yeah. been blighted by injury and yeah loss I, I, I don't like to be one to disappoint so I'm going to end with this small, small discussion point thank you very much uh, it's from Jack Laws hi Jack. hi Jack and you said that I wasn't going to move on to it but I am time to give Gaita a run in the side <laughs> after a good performance oh, or God. stick with Hennessy or even that. throw in Spironi I think uh, that that Gaita might get into the team once he's had a little bit more time with the squad and like two li- days living in England and the language barrier maybe is something that, that he'll need to get over a bit more um, I also don't think Roy will drop Wayne after one I d- I d- like after after that the Watford goal like the kicking wasn't great but I, I just don't see Roy being that ruthless about that position I think yet. I think Gaeta was clearly brought in to be the number one keeper the deal was done quite some time ago uh, towards the end of last season I think that was the 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 plan but I think Roy and we've talked about sometimes the conservatism can be a good thing I think Roy's looked at Hennessy who did the last 10 games of last season was a perfectly decent Premier League keeper start of this season 
has given no reason for Roy to to drop him. So I, I'm certainly there was he, you know, the issues about his distribution of the side on Sunday. He had a decent game. I don't. I think it will take a run of it will take a run of old Hennessy before we even consider putting Guy to. And I think. I think arguably Guyter's made Hennessy a slightly better keeper at the start of this season. So I don't think I don't think Guyter's the, the number one keeper in waiting. But, you know, I don't think it's a question of him Roy checking his Spanish every week to see whether he's he knows enough English to shout clear it or mine. I think Hennessy's our first choice keeper and he will be for some time. And again it goes back to saying but if Hennessy is injured or doesn't play well, we've got what sounds like a really quality Backup, which is I think, I what we've been only, asking for. The only concern you would have is that every one of Wayne's excellent performances last season uh, was in fr- uh, was behind Tompkins and Saka. That's not his fault. I mean, that's no, of course. But, like, but when you, I mean, you, when you have two quality defenders doing doing a good job yeah. of kind of managing the back line better, it kind of mitigates for the potential for, for errors to kind of creep up. And yeah, but he's, he's most hopefully this season, fingers crossed, most of his games this will be behind those two. Well, yeah, but I mean, it could end up, you, you know, if you then end up with Tompkins being out for the next match, then you end up, you know, it just kind of, it, again, Wayne is a better keeper when he's behind Tompkins and Saka. Yeah, I reckon Gaeta would probably be a better keeper behind Tompkins and But I think Saka with Gaeta, you've got a goalkeeper who can... Who can be? A, who's actually a better all-round goalkeeper? I know what was that you said earlier about. We always think the one we haven't seen is better than no, the one we have that's seen. That's maybe so, true, but yeah. but Guaita was wanted by better clubs than people would have wanted Wayne Hennessy. You know the, well, the clubs so, that wanted yeah, Wayne Hennessy. Max so, Mayer was going to buy Munich. It, so. it was interesting in the warm-up for the Liverpool game when that the, you know if you watch the goalkeepers warm up, their crosses come in, they come and catch it and roll it out again. But all the times Guaita was punching in the warm-up. Oh, really. And it happened yesterday in the game against Swansea where there was, there was no one around him and there was just, you know, it was a simple take and he punched. And then we kind of go into that thing, oh yeah, but that's European goalkeeping, blah, blah, blah. But there, there's a kind of, it's an interesting point. Um, if you catch the ball from across, you are more like, you know, if, you've got, if you're a good goalkeeper and you're quick-minded, you can throw it out quickly or you can see the counter-attack, and you, you can start that. Yeah. If you're punching it, you're putting the, your defence and your, your midfield back in under pressure. And if he has elected, which I think he has, to be more of a puncher than a catcher, um, the whole team have to adapt to that. Which is so but, that's a fair point, it. but then yeah. it comes back to the argument that Wayne Hennessy's distribution is... Poor. Yeah, but having so said you that, have a goalkeeper who catches the ball, but then can't actually distribute but, it. Is, but, is that any better, any worse than having a goalkeeper? A little bit. It's, when, yeah, because the, the first point, it's like a defender. The first role of a defender is to defend. And I thought Hennessy's catching under pressure was brilliant on Sunday. There were three or four corners that he fine. came and took. But then when but, he gets but, the ball in his hand, yeah. But the trouble is, do... the trouble is, Man City have changed the game and changed the way we fit. Because suddenly goalkeepers have got to be footballers now. Because Man City's goalkeeper manages to, to you know bring a, a, an assist for Aguero. Everyone's saying, "Oh, that's game changer." All goalkeepers got to be like that. No, the first first thing you want your keeper to do is is you know, catch the cross, take it safely. Like, like he didn't when he dropped one against Liverpool. Yeah, he did drop one against yeah. Liverpool. Fair enough, but he, but against Watford, he was he he was impeccable in terms of his coming off his line and his catching. And that's I'd rather I'd rather that he caught the ball safely first, and then I the distribution two, is what it is. A, a two meter defender coming off the corners, I'd probably want Hennessy. In yeah. Goal. So we agree then, Kaita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm glad we reached such a good resolution to draw an end to this podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back after that Southampton game when Gaeta would have put in a man of the match performance to help us win 4 0. Yeah, and come back uh, this, we'll be free back pod. with a main pod again during the middle of next week. So yeah, free, the free pod. We'll come back with the free pod next week. And, and, and we'll leave it on that happy note. So, <laughs> free the pod. We shall speak to you again next week. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>